Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers and creators. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. Well, today is Monday and that means we're getting to know the people behind the stories. We talk to guests from all walks of life and unpack what makes them special. We are naturally curious, Rob. Well, that is what makes us special. Anyway, we could talk about ourselves all day, but Monday's episodes are all about our guests. Let's find out who we're talking to today. On today's podcast, we have Nathan Chan. Founder of Founder Magazine, doing some amazing things with his brand new Founder Plus venture. Been a long time coming. Rob and I are massive fans of Nathan and what he's been able to build and to pick his brain and head into his studios. Just unreal. Bring a notepad, bring a pen. You're going to love it. Nathan, thank you so much for inviting us down to the, the Founder Studios. For those at home listening, tell us who are you and what do you do? Thanks so much for having me on the show, guys. It's an absolute pleasure to just host you here. This is the first podcast, I think, from an external we've ever hosted. So, yeah, it's it's great fun, right? Like, we have this awesome studio, awesome setup. It's fully soundproofed, and uh, we're here in South Yarra, Melbourne. Well, when we first got here, I was looking around. I was going, there's so many trendy things around here. Look at the cafes. <laughs> look at the people. Everything's cool. And then I come in here. You've got the studio. You've got all the awards under the sun. You've got a million books. And it's just making me very jealous. Yeah, it's making us jealous. We've come from our studio space down in Torquay and it's feeling a very uh, lacklustre. We're playing away today. We've got the white shorts on. But I'm feeling comfortable because you're making us feel really comfortable. And this has been a long time coming because I know I said it off air before and I'm going to throw Rob under the bus, but he actually had posters of you on his wall <laughs> growing up and... Uh, you were, you were pretty much the catalyst for him to get into this type of stuff, weren't you? I don't know about the posters of them all, Nathan, but I, I, do, I do really appreciate uh, uh, what you've built with Founder and how far it's come. We'd love to get into where did the idea start for you and how did you actually get into this space? Yeah, so um, purely by accident. Like, like that's, that's the dead honest truth. The dead honest truth is I didn't know that Founder would be anywhere near to where it is right now. I started on this kind of quest to find work that I was passionate about. Um, growing up, I never really achieved anything of like that I was proud of. Like I never good, like had great grades in school. I scraped through in university. I remember like when I got my enter score, I got a, a, a 62, but I, I usually say it's a 63 just to round it out. Cause it says, sounds a bit better, but I got it. Okay. Yeah. So, so like I'd never like, did very well period and then you know my mum and dad my dad used to joke with family friends that like with nathan uh if things don't work out for him we'll buy him a jim's jim's lawn mowing franchise like literally like that was when i was like you know 21 so pretty much um i kind of scraped through uni scraped through you know just kind of landed this job in a professional uh, working working in it support i did this big europe trip as you do, right? And how old were you then? 2023. 20, oh, living the, living yeah. the dream Liv- over in the dream. Yeah, living the dream. Like, yeah. you know, it was so good. And I, I was like, I don't want to come back. Right. So I was working professionally at this accounting firm. And that's when I realized that I needed to, to, to find a new line of work because life is too short to do work that you don't enjoy. Right. Like you spend most of your working life, like most of your living life working. Right. And, for me, I was like, I've, I've got to find something. So I went back, studied a master's of marketing at VU. And then 
Uh, at the same time, I left that accounting firm doing IT and I'm, I ended up at a really incredible company. I love the company. I love what they're about. I love the culture, but the work itself wasn't for me. But it was a big company, so I thought I might be able to move into marketing. And so as time went on, I tried to get a job in marketing and I, I couldn't. No one would hire me because I didn't have any experience. And then what happened was I started to kind of go, okay, what if I mesh my passions of online technology with marketing? And, and you know, I, I would try to get a job at this agency, real small boutique agency, and he didn't give me a job. Like, they didn't want me after an interview. And I said, can you give me some feedback? And he said, like, I think it'd be really cool if you showed some sort of passion project. And I was like, oh, I, can, I should do a passion project because that'll help me get a job. <laughs> and so... In the end, I, I started this magazine on the side, a digital magazine, and I spent $2,000 US dollars. I didn't have much money at the time. I was getting paid, I think, around $50,000 a year. I put $2,000 US dollars on my credit card. I was in debt because I used to just travel here and there and then just load up the credit card again, as you do. Yeah, as you do, live the dream. Yeah, that's it, forget. Yeah. And then... Um, I was like, oh, well, I've got to make this... I've got to try this thing, and I started building this magazine, right? And I was taking that magazine to job interviews to still get a job in marketing and I still couldn't get a job. And that was after, and by the time it hit the first or second edition and I was taking it in, it started to kind of go. I was like, in the first day, we made $5.50. We had two subscribers on the App Store. And then by the end of the month, we made 80 bucks in subscriptions. By the end of the second month, we made 150. And I was like, it's not a lot of money, but I can see this thing going and I'm like, I'm onto something. And I was really enjoying it. I was enjoying doing these interviews. And at the time, we didn't launch a podcast. It was just the magazine. And because it was digital, I had the interviews embedded in the magazine. And I remember saying to my, my missus, now fiance, like, I'm really enjoying this. I said, this is what I think I'm meant to do. And then that's how it all started. Like it just, and then it just kind of built, laid brick by brick. And then I've just kind of, as time went on, I realized that like the content and these interviews that, that we were sharing, I had to get it out to as many people as possible. I had to try and bring this kind of stuff to the world, right, at a large scale. And I I know eight, nine years ago when I started Founder, you didn't have as many people right now trying to start online businesses or starting or doing incredible you were, things. You were early. Like looking back, yeah. it's like – even making the decision to do a, a digital magazine versus a print magazine then, what was the thought process around, like, this needs to be online first? First and foremost, it was cost. <laughs> <laughs> Good start. Yeah. yeah uh, but then also that's where I thought things were going and, and I, I quickly worked out the power of having a magazine uh, for building a brand. So in the first four months of starting Founder, I was sued for trademark infringement by one of the biggest business magazines in the States. And uh, I had to change the name. What, what, oh, you can, you yeah, I can tell you what. Yeah. yeah, it was called Key to Success. Oh. So we were sued for trademark infringement by a big business magazine in the States. Uh, and basically, it was one of the biggest ones. And uh, yeah, I changed it to Founder. And like this is how ghetto I used to run things. I went to the CEO at Intrepid because I was still working there. And... I said, hey, I got this problem. And he's like, oh, you need to speak to Tom. And Tom was like the, the operations guy and used to be a lawyer and he helped me work through it. Like, isn't that insane? 
That's bloody crazy. Because I thought yeah. the first edition uh, was the Richard Branson one. So that came ah, a bit later. That, that was, came a bit later and that's yeah. what I led with. So one of the smartest things I ever did looking back was I got that interview with Richard Branson and I made it free. And I used that as the the driver to, to build the brand and to bring people into our world around, you know, founder, we do interviews and do we tell stories and that and that that's kind of been the core ethos of the brand ever since is really finding some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation and, and getting them to share their experiences and lessons learned. And now we do that more than ever through content, but all forms of content, whether it's premium content with online courses, whether it's written content on our site, whether it's video interviews or audio interviews or a magazine feature. And that's kind of always been the core of the brand. And that's what's really helped develop the brand. But it started with the magazine. And I think for anybody listening, I think there's kind of three key things when it comes to building a brand. I think the first one is you have, first and foremost, you have to have a great product. The second thing is you have to have great design. Design can be used as a unique differentiator and also a competitive advantage over your other competitors wherever you're playing because there's a there's an idea of perception and trust if you have great design and 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 you can get it a really cost affordable manner with with the internet now and then the third one is having ambassadors so every single person that we had on the front cover of founder effectively was an ambassador and that's what allowed us to keep building the brand and building trust over time that wow this brand I want to learn from these guys or, you know, there's something cool here, there's something I can learn. And that's how over time I've been able to use the magazine as leverage to really grow the credibility of the brand. How did you get Richard Branson on? Like, did you just slide into his DMs and go, do you want to be on the front cover of my new magazine? Like, how, do, how does that happen? You're yeah. going from hustling, asking all, you're getting sued and stuff, but how do you how do you have the chat with him? Yeah, so um, I think one thing – and. To be honest, we need to do it more now. It's easy to get lazy, right? It's easy to shoot off an email or slide in the DMs. That's easy. That's low risk. That's you don't even you're not even out of your comfort zone doing that, no. right? Yeah. Like, so I think I think one key thing that I've learned very early in my journey is if you wherever you're at with your business and whatever problems you're facing, there's people out there who have already done it. And it's your job to go and find those people and learn from them. So when I started Founder, there was other people that bought the same software that producing a digital magazine in all sorts of different niches and markets. And I found somebody, I networked and and met somebody that uh, was able to get in touch with hard to reach people. And they had like Jamie Oliver and Bono on the front cover of their magazine, all this great stuff. I was like, how the hell are you doing it? And this person shared with me that first and foremost, you need to pick up the phone. You got to pick up the phone. Like to, to, to really get cut through and traction, you got to pick up the phone. The second thing is, if you want to get in touch with hard to reach people, thought leaders and influencers in any space, usually a lot of them have books because you can use a book as a, as a way to build your influence, authority and thought leadership. Magazines are even stronger and people take them very seriously. So if we know that Richard Branson publishes books, we go to Penguin Random House who publishes his books. And they want to move more books and they want to grow his brand. So I track backed his details 
And then from there, I ended up getting his head of PR. And then off the back of his head of PR, I was calling her up. And I'll never forget, I was, you know, not making much money. I was in a share house with my best mate Mm. and the floors were creaky. I was probably like, I was, the rent there I think was 500 bucks per person. It was a cash job. And the floors were creaky. It was at night. I called her because she's based in the UK and I kept calling, didn't pick up, didn't pick up. And he had somebody around. I remember going, hey, can you be quiet? I'm trying to pitch Richard Branson. And then and then so I go to my room because making, they're making a ton of noise. And, I, and, and she pick, finally picks up and I'm, st- I'm stumbling. I'm all over the place and I give her my pitch. And she said to me, Nathan, please understand that uh, we get like 10, 20 of these pitches every single day um, for Sir Richard Branson uh, to interview him. Uh, send me an email. I promise I will get back to you, but it might take me a while. And I, I sent her an email just talking to the fact that his first business venture was a student magazine. And uh, he agreed to an email interview. I took it and ran it. And then that was kind of, you know, that was one, I guess, really pivotal point in building the brand and the platform. Oh, because once you once uh, Richard Branson's on, everyone wants to come on, don't they? Huh? Well, from a content perspective, you've put that behind. You, you made that free. You didn't put it behind a paywall. I can imagine that's really helped in building the community, allowing people like try before you buy sort of thing, and go, hey, well, let's lead with the one of the biggest names in business today. Is that sort of your approach? Yeah, yeah. The um, that was that was the thinking, and I think when you're creating anything, right, like no matter what kind of business, whether it's a content business, whether it's a software business, whether it's a service-based business, for someone to want to do business with you or even to get their attention, you want to be able to build trust. And for me, it's been it's been a really hard slog, to be honest, to build fa- the founder brand, to, to build that trust and to build that authority. And we're still just scratching the surface, right? Like most of our audience is in the United States and, you know, I meet people and they go, wow, I never heard of you. But then they go on this rabbit hole and we've got so much stuff. And they're like, wow, where have you guys been? So, like, we still haven't hit that mass market level, which we want to, right? I still think we're in the indie stage. Um, So coming back to it to answer your question, Rob, like, I think, yes, in the early days, that was a really smart play. Do you think content compounds? Like you mentioned, how you f- still feel like you're in the indie stage. You've built. We we feel a bit the same with our pods. Like we've done over 200 guest episodes now. When someone stumbles across funny business, they go, "Oh fuck, you've had a few episodes." Well, you know what I mean? I say like, like if you if you've got a favorite band or you hear a song and all of a sudden you find out that they've got three other albums and you're going, "Oh my god, I'm down the rabbit hole with this," and it becomes your favorite band and you become like loyal to it and you can't wait for the next thing to come out. So it's almost like putting in the work and. And, and like the solid body of work so when people can discover you they've got lots of stuff to to chomp through mm. and so look that's the power of the internet right like you it's it's the blessing and the curse because the blessing is you can put something out and it's like with content you can lay a seed and you plant a tree right you plant 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 early and then eventually it sprouts so so the more you put out the more influence you develop so I think that's the the blessing but the curse is anybody can do it so it's an open playing field and there's a lot of noise so yeah i think when it comes to i guess content for me it's about how do we just for us like we're actually trying to pull back a bit and go how can we just produce more quality content 
how can we not just pump out as much as possible and really focus on leveling up the sophistication of our content that's something that i've been thinking about and we're talking about a lot at like amongst the team and, and our strategy is like you can create baseline stuff right when in this space around business you can create baseline stuff and it will be really really valuable to a certain market or someone at a certain stage but if you can go a little bit higher up not only will that person at the earlier stage or wherever they're at they're learning and they're, they're kind of seeing ahead but it also builds trust faster i believe because it's like well this is really sophisticated stuff this is like these guys must know their stuff. Like, and I'm learning, and, and it's stuff that's not talked about. You can like, so that's kind of where we're thinking around. How can we create more sophisticated content? Is that is that like publishing stuff that you're learning sort of as you go? Because things change. Like, we've got a question here. Like, things changing over time and all that. Mm. So, in this world, things changing all the time. So, it'd be good to sort of have your finger on the pulse and, and talk about those things. And that's something that we speak about too, because we pump out like daily pods a weekday. Uh, throughout the weekday so five pods a week and yeah, wow. we're think we're thinking the same thing i think but can you start from that stage of quality content or do you have to build build it out to for, for us i see it like i don't think we could have just started with that quality one or two pods a week no one gave a fuck who we were yeah, yeah, yeah so it's like yeah, you build yeah, it yeah. up to a point and then you go oh maybe it's time to dial it back and then make it a bit better well i think yeah. it's always this balance right it's always this balance that you have to maintain but then also it's and we should do a better job at this as well and, and we're, we're working towards it is is how do we be more analytical with what's working and what's not working it's easy to get caught in the hamster wheel where you set something up you put in the disciplines in place and then it just keeps going 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 you don't review it you don't look at it and go hey why was this episode getting way more downloads than the other one was it the title what was the engagement like like you know when we put out a snippet like what what was it about that particular interview and you kind of it's it's easy to rest on your laws when you get in that hamster wheel i find so it's just a it's a constant balance but then at the same time it's it's focus and attention as well like it, it is tricky don't get me wrong like it is tricky but i think to answer your original question like when you start you just got to start you, you can't you got to go you got to go progress over perfection no doubt about it and i think you've got to be prepared to be a little bit vulnerable and go you know what i don't know what i'm doing right and that's what kept me going in the early days because people are real like people are when you i find like if we made mistakes early on or it wasn't as good people were forgiving because we were so upfront and like oh yeah this is only our we've been doing it for a month or two months you know like whatever we're having a crack and you almost like you get that freedom to fail it's yeah. like whatever and now it's a bit different now because it's like been doing it a long time now and it's like well, how do we get how to do a we point? level up yeah, how, how, do, how do we make it happen i think that's leads into the next question around like we mentioned changes over time but i think of content mix of like you mentioned the sophistication of content or like fast food content where you're just trying to like it is a game of attention do you think that consumer behavior has changed where like they may be more aware of like fast food content if you're just trying to like grab them um or is there still a time and place for that type of content no, I think there's a time and place. I, I, look, what has changed, no doubt about it, and I saw this probably about four years ago, five years ago, was videos coming in a big, big way, right? Like, you look at the even the biggest shows now, they all have a video and audio. Like, for us, um, you know, I, like, we only started doing video for, the sh for, for our podcast a couple of years ago, right? And we had to because... We need those snippets right and 
So for me, like where things are going or what has changed since I started to now, video is a massive one and it's just it's just getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Attention spans. You even look at TikTok, right? Like that is becoming the dominant platform. And we're we're not there yet with TikTok, right? Like we haven't we're not killing it on TikTok like we are Instagram, right? So I think um yeah, things definitely do change. Things definitely do evolve. I would say attention spans are getting shorter. But then you would argue, well, Joe Rogan is like a two, three hours. So there's, it depends. It really depends. Like, you know, long form still exists and it's incredible. But it's a tricky one, right? Like quality content is is in the eye of the, the, the consumer as well, right? Or the beholder, right? Like it's... Yeah, it's a tricky one to know. I think it's got to be, you know, you've got to, you've got to keep pushing those boundaries. Like you look at Mr. Beast, yeah. right? You guys follow Mr. Beast? Mr. Beast? I just recently stumbled across him over the last couple of months and I went yeah. through and watched all his videos because he, he spends all his money that he makes on the sets and stuff, doesn't yeah. he? It's yeah. crazy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you look at Mr. Beast, right? Like he, I, I really like that guy and I think his story is incredibly inspiring. He will be the first YouTube billionaire. So we talk about content, right? He'll be the first YouTube billionaire. He's not there yet, but he will be. And when you look at when he first started, he couldn't even afford to buy a proper camera. So he was filming videos on his phone. And as time went on, he just got better and better and better and better and better. But then you talk to it, right? He kept, he keeps putting more and more money back into his video. So he keeps pushing that boundary, right? So quality content for us right now in this room might be at a certain stage now, but in two years later for both of our businesses, I hope it's at higher heights. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And But he's a great example of someone that keeps pushing those boundaries. Like you could have said two years ago his content was quality. Mm. Now look at it. Because he does the analytics and stuff. Like, it's like you were saying. Yeah. I heard him talking about it actually. Like, I look at everything down to the, every little second detail. He goes, a bit of a micromanager, but I, like, yeah. oh, I need to know that where that's going. And, and when I do the videos, you can tell – it, each it, the how he's learnt throughout the thing, but you can tell how the, the hooks there, the snippets, and the people that he gets involved, and when he puts the the, the different things on the screen, it's just it's did he's he, a fucking genius. Did he do it in the different languages? Is that has it the guy yeah. who yeah. pumped it out? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, expanding markets and doing all that stuff. Have you have you done stuff in different languages and all that? Not yet. It's on our roadmap. Yeah. I think um, we still, you know, at Founder, we're working on be- building a better machine and and really really nailing that and then when we're ready yes we will move to other languages why wouldn't we right like not just from a a free content standpoint but also our premium content with founder plus everything we're doing there um it's a no-brainer because you're leveraging your content so that's been something that i've always done over the years to grow founder so like we started i started with the magazine magazine just a very very small part of the business now with that magazine, I worked out how to use those interviews and then turned into a podcast. Off the back of that, I worked out how to create articles. Like the guys now, if you type in Scooter Braun or Mark Lauray, where like, you know, in the top five that comes up, and that's only because the guys have looked at it and gone, hey, we can do like a, an incredible long form written interview. And now we're getting traffic, people looking for Scooter Braun or Mark Lauray, right? So, um, we just keep going down this path of how how can you how can we kind of uh, replicate and and repurpose that content as much as possible? And I think the more and more you can do that, the more you just 
find other people that find you and what you do. You, you mentioned TikTok before. I'd love to get into some of the platforms like come and gone since you've started. It's like sometimes there's the, these ones that everyone thinks it's going to be the next big thing. Like Clubhouse was a thing where everyone was mm. like audio only. Locke was the biggest Clubhouse fan. He was stuck in, yeah. I, I was all yeah. about the Clubhouse. I was <laughs> yeah. just yeah. Uh, invite yeah. only. I'm, I'm invited. Oh, yeah. It was the only cool party I was ever invited to and I was like, everyone's got to come but you can't come. You know? <laughs> what yeah. do you think of Clubhouse and all these different ones? Do you, do you yeah. get in, how, how do you research all this stuff? intensely like all these new platforms coming through and just sort of see where it's gonna yeah so look it's an interesting one right like i talked about seeing video like i reckon we were late to video just being honest like we were late to video but i saw it four years ago and we started to make that shift like it's you know here we're here in the studio because i knew that we we had to be able to go 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 with video and i knew that's where it was going but um yeah, I do research other platforms. I'm not. I, we're not the first, though. I, I like to see and wait how things pan out. Um, Clubhouse was an interesting one. I remember not this summer, but last summer when it first came out. I spent one of my holidays just on Clubhouse, just learning, and I was like, "This is incredible, right?" Learning and there was so, so much many, yeah, yeah, learning so much. I was like, "This is incredible." But then what I realized while I was on holiday is it's not sustainable to sit there and listen for three, four, five hours. And that's what I was doing. And I was like, I can't do this. Hey, that was my feedback. I was like, why am I listening to this? It should just be a podcast. Well, well Alex Zachariah, because you can ping him to go come in this chat. And I thought, oh, how cool is this? And it was just him and the founder of Patreon, Jack, I think his name was Jack. And, you were the- and I was like, I'm... I'm just off me rock. I've had a couple yeah. of beers. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm on Clubhouse talking. I don't know what to ask him. You know, yeah. like access to people was was incredible. Mm. But like you said, like three hours, and you felt like you just—it's so it's, much, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was too hard to keep up. So Clubhouse was a good one. I remember Snapchat. Yeah, remember like Gary Vee was touting Snapchat for business. That's where it's at. And like we played around with that. I remember Periscope. Was that the dance one or was that before? Was that, like that was music? Musically, that musically. was musically, but it was bought by, I think, TikTok. It eventually became TikTok. But there was Periscope where effectively it was Twitter's version of doing live video. Oh, Do you remember that one? Floyd on Mayweather. T- and yeah. I feel like Floyd Mayweather or someone like that was into, into Periscope. Yeah. Oh. yeah, we played around with that. But, like, look, everyone always wants to be, like, super early on these platforms and you get an unfair advantage. Yes. But even now, I think we're early with TikTok. Mm. right and it's been out for a good few years like it's really like i remember there was that stuff in the news around privacy a couple years ago and everyone deleted the app but now everyone's using it like i look at i look at people's behaviors especially those around me and i see my brother my fiance using tiktok spending less time on youtube less time on instagram everyone's on tiktok so like i think yeah i think i think there's something there when it comes to TikTok, but yeah, look, platforms come and go. I tend to not try and jump in straight away and be one of the first. Sometimes I do play around with them, but no, I'm looking. I'm looking for like kind of waiting and seeing what happens. Hey, we're in an interesting state of the world at the moment. There's plenty going on. Prices are going through the roof. What are your current takes on the state of commerce and state of the digital world? Big question. Loaded. Yeah, just Loaded. sixty yeah. minutes, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, big question. Right on, honest thoughts, huh? <laughs> well, there's so much going on. I feel for us, it's like, it's just, I look, I turn on the news and there's there's all, there's all something going on everywhere. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's got to the point now where I haven't really watched the news for a little bit now, but just get it through LinkedIn and, and Facebook and all, the, all that sort of stuff. But so much going on. Yeah, when it comes to the news, um, one of the first books, I, there was two books I ever read, first kind of business books that kind of, kind of put me on the path to start founder. One was The 4-Hour Workweek. 
Timmy Ferris. Yep, Tim yeah. Ferris, and the other one was um, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And um, I remember when reading Tim Ferriss's book, it was something in there about how he doesn't he doesn't read the, he doesn't follow the news, he doesn't tune in. And I've kind of prescribed to that for ten plus years. The last time I kind of was sucked sucked in by the news was during COVID, and I remember when it just not march last year but the year before i remember when it hit in march or april it's definitely march and i was just watching news i was just getting sucked in and i started getting fearful myself yeah right and i was like this is bad like it wasn't good for my mental health i was like this is not good um so to answer your question rob around where do i see the current state look i think one, one of my mentors uh mitch harper uh, previous mentor, we don't chat that much anymore, but he, he told me about this thing called the economic clock, right? And every 12, 15 years, Ray Dalio talks about all, all these really smart people, they talk about this idea that, that, that the economy goes through phases and this is just another, you know, this is a down phase. Um, am I worried? Look, yeah, uh, it, it is really concerning, all these things that are happening in the world, but from a business context, I'm conservative. Like I, I, like we, I, I'm conservative with what we're doing. We're still kind of making small little moves, but, yeah, all you can do is control the controllables, right? Like we can look at the economy, we can look at the outside world, we can look at the, the, me, the, the media and all the fear and all these kind of things, but all you can do at the end of the day is control the controllables, and that's what I'm focused on. I don't, I don't watch listen read the news i don't consume any of that stuff i'm really focused on friends family and what i'm doing at founder and that and that's all i focus on i blur out everything i've got my blinkers on it's kind of like you've got enough stress going on with running a business and you've got staff and you've got all this other yeah, shit now yeah. i've got to worry about all this stuff going on that i can't control <laughs> but but covid was an interesting one because i felt like you had to sort of get the updates to know what you were allowed to do so it kind of yeah you had to watch it to say and i was the same i was like for about a month, I was just all into that, and I was freaking out. I was like, "I can't, I can't do this. You can't live like Are we that." We're all gonna die. Is yeah, yeah, gonna that's die? what. Yeah. I was like, "You can't live like that, can you?" But we're out of it now, and there's uh, well, little. We're out of it, kind of, aren't we? Well, I right? feel like do, doing what you do and building founder the way you have, it must be pretty uh, meaningful. I'm sure that there's lots of case studies of people who have gone through, consumed your content, whether they've watched yeah. magazines, Help pods, yeah. downloaded your courses, and there yeah. you're hearing their success stories. Yeah. I feel like that must be some of that spur on stuff where fuck the news and shit. Like I'm yeah. helping people. Yeah, no, it's been incredible. And like there are so many people that have consumed our content that reach out to me over the years or like well-known people that I don't even know, but they say, hey, I did this or hey, I read this or hey, I listened to this or hey, I did this course. So no, that's where the real gold is. And like, to be honest with you, if I had a really tough day at the office and I get a message like that, like that just, it's just everything to me because I think the ability to be able to facilitate somebody's growth in some way, shape or form with the work we're doing, like it's an incredible feeling. Like, and that's, that's what kind of drives me, you know, like I think, yeah, I, I want to build something of, of true worth and significance. Yeah, I want to build a platform that helps a lot of people. But actually speaking to the to, to a person that has been impacted by our work, well that's you know, that's where the real gold is. You can't you can't put a price on that. Did you have an early moment where someone reached out and you're like, fuck, I'm, I'm, I felt like that with the pod. Like we were just like, oh, it was kind of like a selfish thing. We we're like, oh, this is cool. We, we get to do this and all that sort of stuff. And then when 
I forget who it was, but reached out and said, I really got something out of that. And it's like, it felt, we felt like a responsibility, like, let's not fuck around now. Yeah, let's people, let, like, people like quit their jobs <laughs> or change their things. And I'm going, hey, don't, don't, don't do nothing about that. Robbie from Funny Business said I could just do it. He said in the way, like, ooh, no, don't. <laughs> hey, but let, let's talk about some of, you, you mentioned before, maybe mentors, I'm sure, having access to the type of people that you have. Have there been any, like, standout interviews or standout people that you've come across in your journey? So many. So many. Look, um, I probably should have a better answer for this, but do you, want, do you guys want to know the real truth? Give us the real truth. Nathan Chan solo. The, re- the, real, <laughs> the real truth is I'm, I, I these days am, am trying to move into this CEO type, like a proper CEO type role. So I'm trying to focus on running the business. And then every Friday morning I've got to do a few interviews with these really – well-known people or really successful people and they're they're sharing their time and i i i want to be in as gay engaged as i as possible and i am and i and we could do some incredible interviews awesome content but after that is done i'm back on it and i forget like all the interviews i've done now it becomes like this huge blur and then I can draw on it sometimes. We're in like a real life situation. We're not we're within founder, but it's really, really tough to go. Hey, this person taught me this. This person taught me that. This person taught me this because there's so many, right? Like I can tell you some recent ones. Like I just to- told you a couple of people. Then um, uh, I, I interviewed this guy. His name was Rishi. He he founded a company called Future, and it's the largest personal training app in the world and they hire he he didn't say how many people but he said they're the largest employer of personal trainers in america and basically i think it's for like 50 bucks a month or 100 bucks a month you can get your own personal trainer and they you know review your your meals they review your your macros they they do a customized plan every week they check in with you all via the app and like you know, what I learned from him was the way that that guy articulates the vision and the way that he talks about what they're building is just incredible. And like, how can I be a better leader, CEO and founder to really kind of just just hold the presence of, of wherever you, you know, whether, however you're communicating. I also learned from him that, you know, while he's building a technology business, he's implemented selling time, people's time, And he said that, you know, when it comes to digital products now, people don't value them. But he said as soon as you actually sell somebody's time, people are like, wow, okay, then they place a huge amount of value on their time. That's just one thing, you know, that I'm thinking about and how that might relate to what we do at Founder. Like we don't do any coaching or anything of the sort. I'm like, how do we build a a truly scalable digital product with Founder Plus with all of our courses? We're going to be launching one new course a month starting August, eventually get or in the next couple of years, one new course a week. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's extremely scalable. We're using technology. But then I think about like what he said, and it's just like, wow, that's really interesting, right? Like how how, how you can mesh selling time, not too dissimilar to like how Uber does, where it's a two-sided marketplace, but then at the same time, people, people paying and placing value and emphasis on that time as a competitive advantage. Cause like all these other apps like sweat and, and stuff like that, like his one will destroy it. it like it, it, it is very, very clear when I talked to him and I looked at what he was doing, 
it's impressive. Are you learning kind of subconsciously? Like you mentioned, like you're doing the CEO stuff, you're interviewing and all that sort of stuff. I feel when you talk to that many people, like you said, it's hard to just absorb it all. But when you get into their moments, it's like you can draw from something that you've. Because yeah. I feel like I, I consuming content for me after doing this pod is so hard because I feel like we talk to so many people all the time and like like don't go every day and write down all the things that I've learned and lessons like that. But it's like. I can draw on it in moments, like you said, where it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. That's sort of the I, mindset. I experienced that. Yeah. I was there. I, was, I did yeah, it live. Yeah. I'm not taking photos. You, I'm absorbing. You know what yeah. I find the problem is? I don't know if you boys find this too, is for us, there's just so much gold that you learn. It is actually hard to keep up and implement it yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm selfish stuff. too. Like I ask questions. Like, you know, I, I uh, we had this, um, we had somebody that, that runs a big talent agency. I interviewed her last, last week. And, you know, she, she works with all the big celebrities, all sorts of things. And I was like, you know what, selfishly, how would you, if, if, we, were, if, we, if we hired you, how would you get us Elon Musk on the front cover founder? And, and she laid out a whole blueprint, right? And so, so, yeah, like, you know, and then I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe we should look at hiring her in the future. And then, <laughs> but, like, but like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm super selfish where I can be. I want to be respectful to the listener or the reader or the, or the viewer. But, yeah, like, there's just so much. Oh, that's what we found with the pod. We just ask yeah. questions that we want to know to help our business. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go into Founder Plus subscription model. Like, let's let's talk yes. about the nuts and bolts. Why are you going down this pathway? What makes it special? And I'd love to talk even like the community aspect behind mm. it. I know that you've got a, over thirty thousand founders in the community. Like, I feel like that's one word that's really blown up over the last few years is community, mm. community, community. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the evolution of Founder is. We really started out as a media company and we're pivoting and transitioning into an online education company. Now, one thing that you'll find interesting that I've learned recently is when you look at a company internally or from externally, when you look at headcount and you look at the roles, the roles in the business are a reflection of the focus of that company. So at Founder, we have a lot of people in marketing and a lot of people in content, but we don't have that many people in engineering or product. And that's what's changing. So, you know, at Founder, we, we started as a media company. We produced a lot of content, still do. And now we're kind of going for the past three or four years, we, we started to produce online courses and programs where the ambition was how do we get the people that we're interviewing to teach courses and basically their domain expertise, teach it in a framework, in a uh, over the shoulder if you want to learn this from that person. Like, you know, that person I just talked about around PR. How could we get her to teach a course on influencer marketing, right? She knows how to get in touch with the hardest to reach people. She, she's worked with tens of thousands of influencers and creators, right? Why wouldn't you want to learn from that person that has actually done it? You know, I think that's the that's the thing, right? People spend forty, fifty thousand dollars for an MBA, but the people teaching it, oftentimes, not always, you know, Stanford's yeah. and you know the Harvards, but a lot of them, they haven't actually done it. You're talking to a man with big hex debt. Don't stress about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even finish uni, and I got two big hex debt. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Right. You don't so, know who the lecturer are. Oh, yeah. That's thingo. These yeah. teachers. That, that's a great school to go. Yeah. No one gives a shit. They yeah. teach a curriculum and yeah. I'll go and learn it. Yeah. Exactly. So. So the ambition and with, with Founder was like, hey, we're, we've got all these, these incredible interviews. How do we build a platform, an online education platform, where the people that we're interviewing are actually teaching and have actually done it, the people that are teaching? And that's, that's the path we started on. That was four years ago. 
And then over time, we've got now, I think, 20, almost 25 courses in our platform. And, you know, honestly, we, we're doing a disservice to people to not allow them to access them all at one price, like all at a one subscription, one, you know, one low-cost subscription fee. So pretty much what, what, I, what I came to the conclusion was this is the way forward for us as a business, but then also as a product, right? Like we want to now build the largest online school, the most cost-affordable online business school in the world with people teaching that have actually done it. And, you know, over time we're going to have hundreds of courses on our platform we're going to have technology in a platform where no matter where you're at with the journey, on your entrepreneurial journey, we'll ask you a series of questions and come up with a customized tailored learning journey for you. Like if you're interested in PR and you're interested in marketing, then we'll have all these kind of recommended pathways for you. And there's nothing out there like that, like this that exists. So yeah, there's Udemy, there's masterclass.com, there's Skillshare, but there is no well-known platform like what we're trying to build and that's kind of the ambition with founder plus so we're we're shifting our business model to a subscription model and we're really kind of shifting our focus to this idea that if you're a member of founder plus we will continue to just make that product better and better and better and we'll focus just on one product you know we'll still sell individual courses but probably eventually it'll it will have a you know, a one product that we sell or, you know, and a few different tiers maybe. But yeah, we're just focusing on Founder Plus and we're trying to make it as super cost affordable as possible. Usually our online, like to buy a single course, it'd be anywhere between 500 to 1,000 US dollars. Founder Plus, when we launch it next next month, it'll be $1,500 a year. Mm-hmm. $1,500 a year. Everything, resources. And then, you know, we're doubling down on community. As you said, it's, it's thrown around a lot um for us we're building like we're moving away we're going to move away from facebook groups and we're building our own internal platform around community so we're going to actually then break out the courses because we have many different courses on all these different topics and certain courses have a certain private community we're going to bring it all together so we have themed topics so we're, and then we're going to start doing meetups like we're really going to double down on community we'll eventually get to to events like so we just want to go all in on our members Right, and that and that's kind of going to be the focus. Um, I'm really excited because I think over time, and even not right now, this will be the best offering for a founder that we can, that that we can give in on it from a content perspective, from a learning perspective. If you want to learn from people that have actually done it, and over time, we'll continue to get the richer brands of the world to teach. Mate, that's such an exciting vision. I'd, I'd love to go into maybe a bit of the changes that founder might have to go through moving to a product business, being more tech-driven, scaling a team, all the other stuff that comes with uh, going down that pathway of building community, customer experience-driven product yeah, offering? Yeah, well, look, starts with the team, right? Like we've already started. You know, we just hired a, a chief revenue officer, Marco, and he's incredible. He, he used to work at Foxtel for a very long time, so he has a lot of experience with content subscription businesses. Uh, even our accounting changes, you know how we how we how we how if we're selling an annual subscription like from an accounting standpoint that changes even our focus changes like it's not about just enrolling somebody in one program it's about enrol we can enroll someone in one program but what we really recommend is the membership because it's an all access pass to everything we offer it's it's our best offer um 
the way that so yeah team wise structure wise over time you know we'll be focused on retention right like that's that's the big thing right i think a lot of people there's this nirvana that you move to a subscription model and then it people pay forever they don't you you have to work really 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 hard for people to see the value in it you talk about a, a content subscription it has to be a utility if people are not utilizing the content then they will cancel so that that will be the new journey for us that's what i'm thinking about around how can we just just build an incredible product it's going to be more than just a single course it's it's a whole experience it's a whole platform how we're marketing and building the founder brand we now move from this idea of just i guess selling or, or promoting one course or one intake and enrollment to actually marketing the whole platform um yeah there's a ton even our content as i said we're kind of pivoting and we'll be shifting to, to the pure focus of becoming an online education company every piece of content we wanted to link back to founder plus now right and and that actually makes things much more simpler too right and then another thing to think about as well is how we work with talent so in many ways, Founder is a talent business because we find talent, we showcase talent, we highlight talent, and we work with talent, creating content and doing all sorts of other things. And so for us now, we're kind of looking at it in a deeper lens of like, if somebody's being interviewed for the podcast, how can we get them to teach a course? But then how do we even bridge that gap? Like, part of the founder membership not only we get access to the courses and the community and the frameworks and and like these these courses are really next level but then also we're going to have live workshops live guest lectures we're going to start every fortnight and those people you know ideally that's you know they've, they've done an incredible podcasts oh hey would you love to do a, a live guest lecture to our audience and then well maybe they're interested in doing an article for us or and so so even how we think about talent so the whole business and the way that we think about things will be truly shifted and then basically a lot of our activities will be really focused on members how do we how do we get more members how do we build build you know like our ambition is how do we have a hundred thousand members in the next five years are you are you a fan of wrestling wwe wrestling have you heard of the wwe network no. So Vince McMahon, so all his thing was they were going through the WCW, WWE wars back in the uh, late, uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Mm. And one thing he had in his head was like he's creating this content platform. So he bought that out and he goes, no one's going to watch that shit now. But in 20 years' time when everyone wants to watch all these great characters in the talent business because he looks after all these different wrestlers, there's all these different shows on the network now. There's podcasts. There's all these new things. And for me... Someone who hasn't watched wrestling in 10 years since I was a kid, I've gone back into it because it's like 15 bucks a month, but I can watch every single Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-view, podcast, all that shit. And it just reminded me, because they manage, he manages talent too. Like they're yeah. the stars of the show, you know, and like yeah. exactly the same thing. Like they've got that show there. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm involved. I love the network. Instead of cracking skulls, they're teaching influencer <laughs> marketing. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> like he was so like on it over content he's like people are going to want this stuff you know like this is a gold mine now but like later on down the track people want to see history and and you know and if that so much content you know yeah, so yeah. many different options so many different categories yeah and that's and that's that's thing that we're really focused on is like as soon as we launch founder plus we have to double down on our engineering and our platform to really kind of how do we give people a customized tailored learning journey for wherever they're at because it's easy to get overwhelmed right yeah it's great to say we're going to launch one new course a month or 
eventually one new course a week, but not everybody would be interested in all those different topics. Like we've got a course, TikTok ads for business coming out end of, yeah, so in August, right? Mm. That might not be interesting to you guys, right? But then we have a course after that on B2B lead gen. Mm. Now that might be interesting for your services-based business, right? And then we'll probably have a course on how to come up with your business idea. Might not be interesting to you guys because you've already got plenty of business <laughs> ideas you've already got a business. But then we've got a course on personal branding, mm. right? Now, personal branding could be interesting to you guys. How do you develop your personal brands? Like So, yeah, it, th- I think that will be critical. So that idea of once somebody enrolls in a program, their journey starts with us and then shifting the team, the structure, the focus, focusing on retention and then also fulfillment and, uh, yeah, getting getting just building a world-class product. What about the design? You mentioned it early doors, the design with the magazine that can really set you apart. Is it the same with, with Founder Plus? Like when you go yeah. on it, it looks totally different. Yep. You can really set yourself yep. apart. Yeah, yeah. Yep. If you go to founder.com forward slash membership, you will see that we've got its own sub-brand and we're really starting to build out the design. The design's been, to be honest, I think some of the best stuff we've done in a while. On the whiteboard, go and put that there. Put that there. I like that. There. <laughs> nah, nah, no, 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 no. It's all team. It's all. Yeah, yeah, it's all the team, man. Like honestly, yeah. I wish I could sit here and take credit for everything. But once, as your business grows over time, right? It's not just you. Like, yeah, I'm the face of founder, and and no dissimilar to Richard Branson to Virgin, Elon Musk to Tesla, Bill Gates to Microsoft, Steve Jobs to Apple. I think in this space, you need a leader. And what we're trying to drive and this movement that we're trying to drive and this whole new kind of ethos of thinking about life and, you know, starting a business, growing a business, how we can help you. And so so I need to be there. But behind the scenes, there are so many incredible people building this company. Is it hard being a, a public-facing in a, in a public facing role because I think for us sometimes like I as we feel like it's so important that we're the ones telling the story and all that sort of stuff, especially early doors. But Sometimes it can get a little bit overwhelming, I suppose. Like you, you constantly have to go in, in the business, in the business versus on the business. You know what I mean? And sometimes if you're doing that forward facing stuff, it's a like like for example, you're sitting down, spending some time, giving us some of your time. Now I'm sure you have got lots of things on your to do list, and it's an activity that you do because you're forward facing. But you're also it's trade off that there's other things still on the to do list. Yeah, look, I think. It's an interesting one. I think it's the role, like it's your role as, as, as the founder, CEO, business owner that you've got to go out there and, and share the vision, talk about what you're building. Um, I think there's a balance though and there's a time for it, right? To be honest with you guys, I've been in the hole not doing any interviews. I cut doing any speaking gigs, all that ego-driven rubbish. I stopped doing that. Not that I'm here now to talk, like it's, it makes me feel good about myself, but like, I think in the earlier days when I started Founder, I was getting out there and I had to, you know, I got to try to get, like one of my goals was I had a list of podcasts that I wanted to get onto because I knew to get more podcast listeners, if I got on those shows, then the best listeners would go, then go to the Founder podcast. So like I was going hard for a good couple of years and then I went in a hole and, you know, I, I used to do speaking events, I, you know, I quit speaking, I quit all that stuff because I just needed to build and just focus. And I think there's a time and a place for it. Now, you know, I've, I've built out our leadership team and I've got some really, really strong operators that can run things. Um, now I'm in a, in a more fortunate position that I can kind of really kind of really step into the CEO role, really start going out there. And we've got something, we've got new news, right? We've got new news. 
And I think it's important to, to continue to drive what we're building. But to answer your question, it is tough. Um, I'm naturally quite a shy person, to be honest with you. Uh, sometimes if I'm meeting new people, I might get a bit awkward. And I never thought that I'd be doing this. Like the only reason that I'm the face of founder and getting put myself out there is because I had to. <laughs> Honestly, like if I start an e-commerce business or whatever, or SaaS business and I didn't have to, I probably wouldn't. Right. It might, you know, you might see me behind a camera and I come across as a super confident guy. That's passion because I love this stuff. But otherwise, naturally, I'm a very shy person. And yeah, like I, if, if I had a choice, I probably wouldn't be, but I have to be. And I've kind of fell into it. And I've actually got a new, newfound passion for doing it because I really believe in what we're building. I think we can help so many people with this product. And I also believe that like, that's how I can grow founder. Yeah. yeah. Like, like the rise of personal brand. Like you look at the Kardashians, like Kylie Jenner, like the way that she built and sold her lip kits and making hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in a few years. Like, you know, you saw, um, I think it was uh, one of the big makeup brands, uh, Revlon, went bust. Like it took them, Revlon or Maybelline, all these big makeup brands, it took them tens, decades to build what she built in a couple of years because she had such a strong relationship with a large scale of people. And that's that's what the business we're in as well. It's really about how do we build relationships at scale? And... You know, more than ever now, you talk about what's changed. Something that has changed is people are far more interested in the person behind the business more than ever. And that's why I think as much as I don't want to be the face of the brand or like, it's not that I don't want to be, but I'd lean naturally, me as a person to not be, I have to be. And I'm enjoying it more. Like I'm enjoying it more. I'm enjoying the interviews. I'm really passionate about what we're doing and I, I recently have been able to take a step back and actually realize, you know what? Like I just spoke to Scooter Braun. Like this guy is like so cool, and he like really opened up to me. And he's like, he's like, I, I've seen your work. Like I'm a fan. Like that must be hear, nice. Yeah. Like when you hear things like that, it's like really that like gets me so pumped up, right? It's like wow, that's why we do what we do, right? Like we're we're actually doing something really cool. Hey, it's really impactful. Our sponsor of the show, Heaps Normal. Question we ask all our guests is. What's your version of Heaps Normal? What's the thing that you turn to when you're looking to get some energy back in your life? You uh, mentioned off air that uh, you'd, you've experienced some form of burnout or like going down the, the rabbit hole of working too hard. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is a pretty important question that we, we s- seems to be varying degrees of answers for a lot of different people. So interested to hear what, you, what your thoughts are. Yeah, so for me, um, love to go for a bike ride on my pushy. Are you in the Lycra? Sure, you're at the cafe. Yeah, Just no, Nathan Chan here, free oat latte for me. Thanks, mate. <laughs> no, 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 none of that. I, I got a push bike that's a fixie. It's a fixie, oh. but got gears. It's you're a, a Tokyo bit of a hipster, bike. Yeah. yeah, Tokyo bike. It's awesome. So, love to go for a bike ride. Oh, look, I'm a big fan of craft beers. So, catching up with mates, uh, good times, big session. Um, the only time I really go out these days, though, is during spring carnival. Big fan of the horse racing. Uh, another thing I, I really like to do is spend time with my family, right? Like I, I see my, my parents and my family will catch up every Sunday. Um, 
And then another one, which is a good one that I do quite regularly, is TV series. Big, big TV series person. Realm off. What are you watching? Currently watching The Boys. Oh my god, that's my oh, that's my favorite show. It's so out of control, isn't it? Yep, Golden uh, Umbrella Academy. That's Gerard Way one. from My Chemical Romance, I think, produces that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's on Netflix. Uh, just finished watching uh, Obi Wan on Disney Plus. So like, I've always got something I'm watching. It's it's awesome. So so that, and I'm I'm also decided I'm going to get back into gaming. I used to game a lot when I was younger. I just pre-ordered a PS5, and uh, I'm going to play this game called Overwatch 2 for my little brother. So, um, yeah, those are a few of the things that I do. But then also, I meditate as much as I can. Like, when I I experienced burnout early last year, and it was a hangover from COVID. It was a hangover from COVID because I didn't stop. Just pushing through, like, and then you're like, fuck, it's still going. Yeah, 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 I didn't stop. I didn't stop. I didn't stop, and it caught up with me. And it took me a couple of weeks to work out that I was burnt out. I was like, hey, like, I'm feeling really anxious. I'm waking up in the middle of the night with my heart beating really fast. I'm thinking about work. Like, what what is happening to me? And so, yeah, I went down this path of kind of self-healing. And some of those things that I, that I implemented, I've tapered off. Like I was doing float tanks for a long time. I used to work at Beyond Rest actually around the corner here. Yeah, yeah. I used so to float every day, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How good is it? Oh, mate, it yeah. is. I was hooked since I first went. It was you the, were the Zen master. Yeah, you were doing, yeah. Du- you were doing the double float, weren't you? Yeah. Nothing better, mate. Yeah, yeah so there you go. So, yeah, I used to go to Beyond Rest. I don't go there much anymore. Yeah. I used to meditate every day. I still to this day... I always have Saturdays free now. I don't work on Saturdays. I might do a bit of work on Sundays, but I always have one day to myself. Um, and I have a, a, a conscious effort to catch up with friends more often now as well, not talk about work. Uh, what else? I meditate. Um, you know, go and speak to somebody. I think that's healthy. You know, uh, I got an assistant a next level uh, executive assistant that really helps kind of take uh, all sorts of things off my plate. She's now my chief of staff as well. She's really awesome. Um, yeah, I, I did a whole ton of things, but um, yeah, that that's kind of me. How do you, do you separate work from life, like going back home? And so, cause I'm finding that I'm struggling at the moment. Cause we live, I live, we live far away from, I live far away from my parents, not far away, but an hour and a half or whatever. So I don't see them as much as I would, but I feel like when I'm working from home, I don't stop. And then when I see him, it feels like I go back to my real life again. And it's like, yeah. I need to just balance this out a bit more. This isn't – work isn't my life, you know? Yeah, yeah, it is tough. It is tough because here's the thing, right? For you to build, it has to be an obsession. Like, it, 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 it actually has to be an obsession. Now, if you love it, then you're golden. But you're always going to wrestle with this kind of, you know, being present, being present. So one thing I do now when I go and see my family is my put my phone at the front of like at the front of the door, right? Like there's a table there next to the door. I don't play with my phone. I don't look at my phone. I don't engage my phone. And I, I try and be present. Like that's that's the first step. I think even when you wake up, right? I learned this from Ed Milet. When you wake up in the morning and your alarm goes off. What's the first thing you do? You check your email. You, the, the phone owns you. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and as soon as soon as you touch that phone, it owns you, yeah. right? So, for me, I, when I see my family, I, I really try and be present. I put my phone at the front of the house, and and I do my best, 
right? Like I might be thinking, but I really do my best to kind of be present and spend time with my folks because, um, you know, they're getting older now and like family's really important to me, you know? So, uh, yeah, but it is tough. It, it is really tough. Well, mate, thank you so much for, one, in inviting us down to your studio, letting us pick your brain. It's been crazy to watch your journey and even better to sit down and have a chat. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Really appreciate your time and, yeah, taking the time to invite me on the show and, uh, yeah, coming all the way down to South Yarra. This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast. <laughs>